This podcast is going to talk about patient engagement in mental health care. Well, I'm going to start off by saying, you know, being told to take a walk and that it would make me feel better when I rang up a crisis line didn't help with engagement. Being told I'm not suicidal because my personal health um, hygiene is good didn't help with engagement. Being told I was attention-seeking wouldn't really go with it when I was told them I was suicidal didn't help with engagement. Having my phone calls not returned after I gathered enough um, courage to ring up the mental health centre when I was desperate didn't help with engagement. A lot of things don't help with engagement. For example, compassion and client compliance don't go hand in hand. I mean, there is a compulsive element to psychiatry. Um, and when I ha- had the compulsive elements in my mental health care, I was engaged in the same way that if someone pulls a gun to your head, they hold your attention. But it was traumatising as it replicated parts of my childhood abuse. And I didn't want to keep being traumatised. So once the coercion was gone, so was I. Also, the fact that I couldn't talk about my childhood abuse and all the talk was about my broken brain needing to be fixed pushed me away too. Most of my experience around coercion has been around medication. The assumption was if I didn't want medication, I was becoming unwell. That might have been true on a couple of occasions, but not most of them. We are all unique and, you know, a similar diagnosis doesn't mean we all topple into the same mould. Our needs are unique and the way we go through painful experiences is particular to the person. The, th- the fact that whether it is medication or psychological therapy, it doesn't all have a 100% success rate and that gets forgotten. It must be always the patient's failure, the patient's disengagement. It could be obvious that a certain medication isn't working for someone, but what do they do? They double it, triple it. And with the inclusion of horrible side effects, why would you want to go back for more? Here's a poem about dignity or lack of it in mental health care. Being labelled, pathologised and medicated, I cannot claim my mind for myself. I cannot claim my life for myself, so how can I have dignity? Medication does not heal, but seals the scream. Is that dignity? Dignity is never in the side effects. Weight gain. My arse is getting bigger than my dreams. Too tired to reach for the day, let alone the sun. Try having sex without coming. Dignity. Love with a lot of going. Dignity. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, but try it with a largactal shuffle. Constipation does not feel like dignity. How can I sing the song of dignity drooling? I would walk away with my head held high, but I am too tired, too alone, too despised. But let's put aside the pills for the moment. Is dignity in the waiting room? Is it in a set of eyes that sees you as a sickness? How much does dignity cost exactly? It's not in our budget this year. It's not in our economic case. <coughs> Excuse me. Diag- Dignity is not in the control and restraint, face down, begging to breathe. It's not in the staggered silence of my community care. It is not in the burden of care phrase. I am still waiting for my appointment with dignity. Dignity means not begging for my identity, my dreams. It means not begging to be heard, to be cared for. Dignity means honouring the person, but not being hated will do. Dignity cannot be taken four times a day and shouldn't be bitter pills to swallow. And let's not forget, a 
a huge part of professionalization is a distancing, a separateness, a construction of imbalance, like a seesaw where the service user gets a shorter plank to sit on. If the structure cannot be re rebuilt, then the acknowledgement of this separation and imbalance should be recognised. The relationship is created so only one of them has the power, only one of them has the protection. The protection is where one is protected from not having to share anything negative about themselves. They are protected from shame. It is that strange position of enforcing distance and then seeking engagement of structured, fabricated boundaries, hoping to enjoin genuine and authentic association. If connection in the situation is, is possible, this isn't automatic. It's a balancing act, a journey of complex manoeuvres to negotiate. The distance between a clinician and a service user is like a salt course that you can either trip that it can eat that can trip either person up. It's crossing a very precarious terrain. First of all, there are many walls, walls to build, separate walls to build to build to separate people. As Isaac Newton said, we build too many walls and not enough bridges, and that's so true of psychiatry. The walls could be many things. It could mean be the demeaning language. For some reason, calling me maladjusted, defective, abnormal does not inspire connection or engagement. It's a wall of insulting graffiti which no one should have to divine them. How can a professional be non-judgmental when pathologies and its attendant language is a debasing judgment? Then there are the walls that rise up with the darkening moss and vines of money and institution, which means you have to wait months and months of scaling the climbing net in extreme to dis distress to have six weeks of the only treatment available that may or may not be suited to you. If you wanted to go swimming you were taken to an empty pool or there was just a thimble full of water to put out a fire, what is the reason that person should return to their next appointment? At the crux of it, patient engagement is about creating a safe enough space, a space that is haunted so many times by so much previous hurt and loneliness. To say those ghosts don't exist means you are in that room with the light off. It's time to turn the light on, accept the ghosts are there and exercise them with more honest, humane conversation. Transparency is so important. I acknowledge it's hard to stay present when there are institutional and relational histories, as well as worry about the future of jobs and services sharing the space. I've been discharged from the services now, so I'm leaving that painful world behind. But too many painful emotions have in influenced this talk. Sadness, alienation, disappointment, most of all anger. Unfortunately, it's not isolated to mental health services. Um, I'm seeing it with my physical, my physical health too. I want the experience of patient engagement to be a much better experience than it is. And I think it's time that the many elephants in the room should be part of the conversation. It calls for openness and honesty from all sides. Otherwise, we'll be watching this merry-go-round, this broken merry-go-round of disconnect and pain go round and round endlessly with no one getting anything from the ride.